Welcome to B Plot Podcast, the podcast where we take a look at some of the biggest movies from days gone by. Mm-hmm. Mostly ignore it. Look at the ones that come out on the exact same day. Now, my name is Lincoln, comic out here in London. I'm here with my man Sam. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm I'm happy to hear that, my dude, because uh, from time to time we don't talk much outside of the confines of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And um, I wonder and I worry for the decay of Sam's body. But uh, you you're feeling good, physically healthy, physically strong, eating healthy, everything's good. Let's see what happens next week. You know? Yeah, let's not get too cocky and carried away. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? How's it, how are you feeling like inside inside your body? On a physical level, on a physical level, tremendous, tremendous, Doug. Never better. Um, my body is a, is a wonderland. Um, but furthermore, I'll tell you what is in the wonderland, Sam, is these two movies that we picked um, for the pod this week. So the first movie, guys, is the 1980 classic, The Blues Brothers, on the exact same day. Um, can't stop the music, uh, the village people's uh, origin story, as it were. Sam, it was a, it was a tough one this week. I won't lie. I'm. I, I want to flip it. I want to ask you first. The Blues Brothers. Let's start with the Blues Brothers. What's your relationship to it? Have you seen it before? Have you lied about seeing it before? What's your story? What's your relationship with the movie? I have not lied about seeing it before because I uh, have not been in a position. The circles that I run in. Uh-huh. Um, the Blues Brothers doesn't have any juice, okay? Right. People aren't talking about the Blues Brothers. People aren't dressing up like the Blues Brothers. It's a bit of a boomer uh, touchstone. Um, uh-huh. It's got. It's not really anything anyone talks about. It. You might as well talk about liking the band The Eagles. Like that's the <laughs> kind of thing when it comes to the Blues Brothers. So I have no relationship with it. I know Blues Brothers two thousand. I saw that come out, and that was one of those things where I was like, this come out. People are treating it like a big deal, but because the movie's trash, mm. um, I don't quite understand it. But w- what about yourself? Uh, it, like it, it is my childhood. Funny, uh, funny that you said that as well. People weren't dressing up. Me, I have to give a quick shout out to my old best friend from primary school, Paul Burke. Uh, we had the exact same birthday. We loved blues music. We loved the Blues Brothers, and for Halloween, I remember we dressed up as the Blues Brothers. I'm a millennial. I, I, this that's nuts to me. That as a millennial, this is a touchstone for you because I feel like the Blues Brothers is like a generation before. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean this is ten years before I was born, but yeah, you know I had parents who had great music taste, so I grew up on this movie. Look, I'll, can I also say, even about growing up on the movie, because I'll get to the actual film watching itself, but just before we get to that, um, I feel like this movie is more notable for people dressing up as the Blues Brothers almost than the actual Blues Brothers. Like the actual content of the film is secondary to the fact that people often dress up as the Blues Brothers to That's go a- to things. Right, this is crazy to me. I mean, don't get me wrong, I get it. It's a really easy costume. Uh, but we're, you know, we're talking about primary school here. Me and my friend, we haven't even hit 11 years old yet. It was about the music. It was all about the music. And this is, the, okay, how much do you know about the the inception of this film? 
a fair bit. I'm I um a few years ago I was like I got real big into like an SNL deep dive. And um, so I read a little bit about Belushi and about Akron and about like the first generation. So I know a little bit about how he came together. But yeah, what did you want to bring up? Well, no, just because obviously this is the thing, right? It's based on their SNL characters uh, and a, a feature length movie. This is, it's really like that kind of ballpark of, and we've talked about it before of like the death of big budget, like huge budget comedies in the over recent years. And this is kind of one of those big, this is a musical comedy from two of the best like SNL cast members, but you've got James Brown, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, Cab Calloway, the ba- the, the Blues Brothers band themselves, like Matt Guitar Murphy, Donald Duck Dunn, all of these guys who are like legends every scene in the movie you're watching John Lee Hooker you're watching some amazing fucking musician play their music I I have a a passing love of 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 that music but I'm not like I'm not super invested in it in the way that I'm invested in other types of music Mm. um but watching it I was just kind of struck by this is a huge uh, you know it ran over budget multiple times it's just struck by how thoroughly weird this movie is. Yeah. As a as a as a blockbuster. That you have what is essentially uh, again this very long chase scene that ends in a very like crazily spectacular um uh, very expensive big stunt pileup. That's like this cost a, this is crazy that you see this in a comedy. Yeah. Um and then all of these various um again, little cameos and places where this becomes like an extended jam session. And also part of the problem is, Sam, is this would have, this like this turn into a Marvel movie at certain places for me, where this would happen is someone would show up and the movie's clearly like, oh, this person is like the most amazing musician. And I'm like, I have no idea who this person is. But the, but the screen is like fucking jerking off to be like, oh my God, this amazing jazz musician has showed up. Like I had the hits, I had Aretha and I had Ray Charles. And then I was like, ah, I've never, I don't know who that guy's. You don't know, I don't who, know who James is. Brown is? I know who James Brown is. Those are the three. John Lee Those Hooker. The, I couldn't, I couldn't spot John Lee Hooker out of a lineup. Singing no boom, boom outside of Aretha's no restaurant. Ways. Nothing. No, I can't, nothing, my dude. Twiggy? Who's Twiggy? The, is that the like, model? Yeah, the model, like the. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, seen, but that was another one where it was like, um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, is that is that is that Sharon Tate? Nah, I can't. <laughs> she, she, she died. She died. Ah, uh, uh, come on, is that who is that? Is that? I was like, even is that is that Helen Mirren? Like, no, <laughs> you're a crazy person to me. It's weird because like uh, this is the. I feel like I hate you right now, but yeah. I, I feel you know what, Sam. I feel a I feel a great deal of tension from from you. I feel a great deal of tension in this in this moment. I have to go. I can, it's because I have to go back. When we first met, we bonded over music. That was the thing. That was the thing we were chatting about. And I'm like, oh man, this. We bonded over. We bonded over rap music. Yeah. Yeah, 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 music. yeah. Which is born of the blues and. Oh, everything's born of everything's born of the blues. But I can't tell you the last time I was like, yo, let me listen to some blues right quick. I I can't tell you how how often that's happened. 
Um, in fact, I can probably tell you more like white music that came off the blues than actual music from like black blues musicians. It probably tells you a lot about how uh, I came to this point. Okay, I want to hear. I want to hear you give the the rundown of the plot. It's a very. Uh, the, I, I actually don't know which one is Elwood and which one is Dan Aykroyd is Elwood and Belushi is Jake. Okay, so there's Belushi and, and Aykroyd. Uh, Belushi gets out of jail, and they and I, I find this hilarious. Um, they have to uh, find five thousand dollars to save the orphanage that they grew up in. <laughs> um, it's hilarious because it's almost like a parody of the we have to save X yeah. thing, and it's also at various points over this journey that I I feel like they come into contact with five thousand dollars. Yeah, like they could they could. <laughs> <laughs> At any point, go like, yo, maybe if we sell this car, we could steal another car and we sell it. That's 5K. That's dead. <laughs> that's, that's dirty money, Lincoln. They have to redeem themselves. <laughs> like, the, are you telling me the nun is looking at all this money going like, oh, this is so cleanly made all of this money that they made. But anyway, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. And like I said, even before the first hour of this movie was a breeze for me. Mm. I was, I thought it was really funny. Um, Belushi is, is nuts. Um, mm. Aykroyd is a brilliant straight man. Um, I love I love the aesthetic. I love the vibe. I love... Also, and this must be where putting the band back together must come from, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So in order to raise this $5,000, uh, and in my opinion, hilariously small amount, mm. <laughs> they uh, have to put together the, the blues band that, um, that they used to play in before... Uh, Belushi had to go to jail and that's that's kind of the movie and over the course of time they kind of run into various uh, different segments um, there's a, a really funny Nazi um, party as well they run into trouble with the police what else what's the other one Carrie there? Fisher uh, Jake's ex yeah Carrie Fisher uh, tries to murder Belushi uh, several times over the good old boys uh, want them as well so the good old boys are a band that they've imposted. Yeah. Um, and uh, they want to hurt them as well. So you have all of these people moving around the Blues Brothers and it all culminates in them playing a big sold-out concert and um, they escape with the money and uh, everyone tries to find them, but they can't because they're too clever. It's a, it's a, a lot. This actually reminded me a lot of a, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah where um there's all of this mayhem around them and all these people trying to chase them but they keep finding increasingly cartoonish ways of escaping um the people that are chasing yeah well that's that's the thing it's it's a comedy of errors for everyone except the protagonists everybody else just nothing more could go wrong and they just kind of skate through it and it's it's still one of my favorite things and it we'll talk about it when we get to can't stop the music but no matter how crazy the shit that's happening to them is they never react there's no there's at no point where they're like that's fucking crazy they're just like okay i'll just get on with my life i was reading a little bit about the actual like how it came together a really interesting story um how the scripts came together um how the first draft was something like 320 pages that dan Aykroyd wrote and uh, John La- John Landis, the director, was like, "All right, I'll I'll cut this down. 
for you, you, you fucking maniac. <laughs> <laughs> and um, even in even in like shooting the film, Aykroyd was like, we have to shoot this. And that just was like, all right, I'll shoot it. Knowing this, like, I'm not going to fucking put that in the, in the mm. movie. She's like, well, I'll shoot it. Let's get, get this guy, get it out of his system. I feel like I watched the Aykroyd cut today. Mm. There, there, there were... There were a lot of bits where I was like, oh, yeah, actually, the whole film makes sense without that scene. Did you have the scene where Elwood goes to quit his job? No. Right. It's a scene I'd never seen before. So one of the it's, again, one of the pranks he pulls at the end is when they're escaping the, uh, the, the music venue. The good old boys are chasing them. So he sneaks into their van and he gorilla glues the gas pedal right to the floor. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the guy yeah, can't. yeah, yeah. There's like a five minute scene in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, it's after, uh, so Carrie Fisher blows up the men's hostel. Mm. Uh, and he he wakes up and he's like, oh, it's nearly nine o'clock. I've got to go to work. So there's this five minute scene where he goes to work, steals a bunch of industrial grade glue and then quits his job by telling his boss that he's going to go become a priest. And it's, the whole the whole reason the scene is in the movie is just to set up the fact that in two more hours, Elwood has some glue. And I was like, you know, you know what? He's got a magic bag of tricks. He can just have the glue. It's okay. Guys, we need to move on to a different movie, a movie of a different kind. Now, Can't Stop the Music, um, which is a um, basically a village people origin story. Now, a few episodes ago now, I think it's maybe two or three episodes ago. I can't remember. We did a movie called uh, Killing Salazar. Um, hmm. I think is the name of this film. Um, mm-hmm. Steven Seagal um, walking around like a corpse. And mm-hmm. Sam said, and Sam, you know, you'll excuse me if you say, you know, you were in the middle of a dark time. But you said this movie was your bottom. This was the darkest timeline for you. Um, well, you've paid me back, Sam. Yeah. Um, you've... You, you, honestly, you broke me to today. This um, is one of my, the worst movie experiences that I've had in a long time. Mm, in a long good. time. You deserve uh, this. I don't know why you felt the need to specifically uh, enact revenge on me and whatever poor listener would ever get this movie. And by the way, even if you wanted to watch this movie, it's fucking impossible Fucking Sam, <laughs> Sam had to send me a copy of this movie from the depths of hell or wherever he got, wherever he got it from uh, is the only way I could watch it uh, today. But Sam, explain to the people what is this godforsaken film, Can't Stop the Music. Can't Stop the Music is uh, it's a story. It's a story about a guy who definitely has... I don't know, man. He wants to be a composer slash DJ, but he's not good at anything. Mm. So he hires a few dudes to chant over disco pop. Um, it's a, okay. It's a really because these are both musicals, right? They are. Mm. They're both cinematic musicals. Um, can't stop the music. Is the is it's the equivalent of when your friend tells a bad story about how they got a job. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean, Sam? Well, <laughs> I hate to take it all the way back, but you know, drama is conflict. 
right? So there needs to be a protagonist, an antagonist. There needs to be some sort of like disagreement going on. This is a movie where it's like, hey, I want to start a band. You want to start a band? Okay, let's start a band. Let's get a label and let's do a show. And that's the whole movie. It's a lot. It's um, it's all based around uh, the village people who I imagine were already a thing by that point in time, but they were like, yo, let's how, how can we present this in cinematic form? And in that sense, it actually has a lot in common, I think, with the Blues Brothers in the sense that like, John Belushi is like, all right, we've conquered TV, done. Mm. Music, we've done it, awesome. What's what's the other one that he had as well? Um, I remember he had like, it was like a triple threat. He had like the number one album, the number one TV show. Special? It might've been, yeah. And it was like, all right, what's the logical next step for this thing? Okay, cool, let's make a movie. Just a, just a kind of a side note before we keep going. So Caitlyn Jenner is in Can't Stop, Can't the, Stop music. the Music. So because of, uh, well, obviously she was Bruce Jenner at the time. So just to kind of be clear, I think it's it's correct to uh, keep referring to her as Caitlyn Jenner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the character is a guy. So it can refer to the character as him or he so like we don't want to offend anyone we want to try and be as respectful as possible um i will also say this caitlin jenner fucking trash one of the worst performances <laughs> in, in awful terrible 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 <laughs> just dog shit i was like oh man how did they allow her into any of this this is fucking nuts in any event she has a very prominent role in the in the fucking movie and that's the thing that's that's like annoying is that this is clearly like a gay showcase, like a, a showcase for the village people and gay culture mm. um, at the time. But the central conflict is this annoying like relationship that no one is into between yeah. um, Caitlyn Jenner's character. I can't remember the guy's name and Ron, uh, Ron, and the like mother hen character yeah. <laughs> who is holding all of this together. And uh, she's the one, like, the main driving force. Steve Gutenberg is the guy you, you mentioned before who from Police mm. Academy fame. And he's even more annoying in this than yeah. he is in Police Academy. And he's trying to, you know, put a band together so that he can be a, so he can be a DJ in 1980s New York. Mm. And, well, and this is the thing where the Blues Brothers is a film about crazy over-the-top shit happening and people really underreacting to it can't stop the music is a film about nothing happening and people reacting like crazy overreacting to it uh it's fucking oh it's a lot it was a lot gutenberg in this movie to me made uh Adam Sandler in uncut gems infinitely more likable i was like i you know what i'd spend a fortnight with this guy anywhere over Gutenberg for a day in New York. Dude, Steve Gutenberg has such a weird um, low-key career because your man was doing uh, Police Academy. Um, he was in Cocoon. Um, what is that one? Um, he looks after a baby with Ted Danson. Uh, three Men and a Baby. <laughs> three Men and a Baby. I mean, like He's got like hit after hit after hit and um more and more unlikable as as the world continues and then i think for some i think probably what happened is um what's the game with the actor paul riser came along and just like ate up all his parts <laughs> yeah 
I, you know, I've been saying, what is your experience of this joint? Did you fuck with it? Did you not fuck with it? This was the first time I'd ever seen it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. This, I, I've been trying to get my partner to watch the Blues Brothers for about four years. And I realized the only way I was going to make that happen was if I had to watch it for this podcast. Uh, you and it just bitch. so happens <laughs> that you Can't Stop the Music bitch. came out on the same day. I can't believe this. Sam has burnt his own podcast down for insurance money. Like, that's what he's done. I've oh, built it up. I've, I've built it up. Look, man, this podcast wasn't shit until we did the Blues Brothers. Right? I'm going to say it. Every episode before this, garbage, trash. This this is our Sistine Chapel. Unbelievable um, scenes. I, I, neither of us had ever seen it before. Um, I hated it. I hated it. It was... Yeah. I, I unfortunately before I hate knowing anything about a film before I see it normally. Right. I, my best film, I, I always think the best film experience is going in as blind as possible. Maybe, you know, the writer or the director or a couple actors in it. And you're like, yeah, just take me on a journey. Obviously we have to research these films a little bit to try and find them and track them down. And this is, this is why it's so hard to find today is because it was so universally panned even at the time and it's, honestly yeah like you said before like the village people were already a thing by this point so this is three years into their career so they've had the album out um and it's something i want to talk about because i was i was really interested in this was in 2012 uh the the lead singer, the cop, um, and a few other members of the village people uh, maintain that there is absolutely no gay subtext to anything the village people have ever done. That is hilarious. Right? I think that's it's, brilliant. Gets even better because uh, Victor Willis again, I think in 2018, 2019 said, I will sue anyone, any media organization or individual who claims that YMCA is about illicit gay sex and not making friends at the Y. Can I tell you uh, what? I fucking love that. Yeah. I love uh, that. <laughs> and I think the best the best part was, uh, again, we talk about it all the time. It's a feature. I don't know if you spotted it. It's a blink and you miss it. And I, I rewound. Uh, there was a lot of penis in this Beautiful. Movie. Beautiful schlongs. Beautiful schlongs. We 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 have a record breaker here. This is the most penises I think we have seen in one shot on the mm. podcast. I go about five, five, six penises. Mm. Uh, and I think my favorite thing was I had read this just before watching the movie and they're doing YMCA. They're performing YMCA. It's essentially a music video in the middle of the film mm. at the Y. And uh, it's the it's this shot of all the men in the shower and they're playing with their towels and they're all naked. And they're, they're these really quick cuts. And I don't know if you saw the one where they're all just sprayed with shower foam. I did not see all of that. It was, I mean, I watched it twice. But the, yeah, fair enough. there's a blink where they were all sprayed with shower foam. And the only thing going through my head was this goddamn cop was like, no. I was watching, I was like, yeah, this is the straightest damn thing I've ever seen in my yeah. whole fucking life. God damn it. Make it like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was, you know what? I I actually think that, that 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 a couple of things went through my mind watching this. One was a little bit of sadness because 
um, obviously, despite what anyone says, I don't want anyone else to sue us, but despite the fact that this obviously gay story is being marginalized um, in, in service of this really dumb, really thin plot um, where uh, Steve Gutenberg is trying to start a band uh, Caitlyn Jenner's uh, character is trying to is trying to get with the the leader, this mother hen character who looks after all of the village people, mm. and uh, basically how they move through the industry and to create this band. So it's this their origin story, how they you know got the band together for the first time. That was the one side. The other sadness that I had is that like this is already kind of after disco had died or was getting ready to die. Mm. right so this is like we're heading into like 1980 and um this is fourth on the forefront of my mind because uh, I, I just finished it's a sin okay which is about the aids uh aids uh, epidemic in the 80s uh among gay men uh, both abroad and in and in london and like it was really like a sadness to be like oh like all of this free spiritness and this craziness this is going to come crashing down um really soon yeah. And and a lot of gay men would die um, unnecessarily, but it would happen. And um, so that was kind of in my mind as well. And um, then there's that one scene. There's like one fucking ultralight beam, the same beam that came down and, and hit John Belushi on the forehead <laughs> when James Brown was in the church, where it was like just one moment they, where they can just like celebrate themselves and just have all sorts of hot dudes doing mm. doing aerobics and gymnastics and there's all of these dicks flying about and it's loose and it's fancy free and annoyingly the lady gets her titties out in there as well because you can't have too many dicks and i was like get her titties out of here these are yeah yeah this is not your time for your titties <laughs> to shine <laughs> this is the time for these dicks these beautiful gay dicks to just <laughs> be slapping about in the showers and then these guys, and it's like the one time in the movie where like, this actually makes sense. Mm. It's just like, it's free expression. And then we go back to whatever the movie is after that. But I was like, oh man, we just had like one ultralight beam moment where it, mm. like, the universe was making sense in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It did, it, until, until it resumed, it did feel a bit like the moment in Indiana Jones when they, you know, they reflect the mirrors off the light. And it was like, if it could bounce off every <laughs> single <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> straight into my brain straight, straight into your brain it's like <laughs> look at all of those dicks this is beautiful <laughs> yeah beautiful 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 and it's a shame it's a shame because i don't think we'll ever reach this level in one shot let alone one scene in another movie we watch on this podcast and it was such a bad movie have you heard of the I'm, let me try and find the name of this guy the guy who burnt all of those disco records do you know the story so there's a guy, Steve Dell. He's a he's a rock DJ, and he death they, to disco. Yeah, they do death to disco, and that happens in like the late seventies or nineteen eighty. I can't remember the exact date, but um, obviously then it was basically like we have to reclaim back like the realness of rock. But it was also just a bunch of people burning art, like black and queer artists and and mm. Hispanic or Latino artists burning their music. And on the back of that, we actually have house music because this be because disco is no longer um, popular. These guys have to move into warehouses and they have all of this equipment and they have drum machines and all these disco records, but you know, it's worthless now. Mm. And they built four to the floor. What we EDM, all of that shit flows out of that. And I was like, that that's super interesting. This is an interesting time in, in the world. And 
also both of these movies are like a look at two different cities at the same it's like chicago in 1980 it's like a, a beautiful chicago movie because there's loads of little landmarks and stuff and the same thing is true with um can't stop the music like mm. this you know look at the uh, the village look at these people look at all of these different places where these people occupy their time and that was nice mm. but what i'm saying is this is basically all that i can extract out of yeah can't stop the music is like i've had to like make all of the meaning into this because there's mm. so little um in the movie itself yeah and i mean there really is no drama like whatsoever and it, earlier you brought up um it's uh, ron, ron and samantha's this is the heart of conflict in the movie right is their relationship and never it's what's really interesting never is anything uh not resolved in either the same scene or the immediately following scene yeah so okay the first argument and again this is hilarious as to why victor willis has said there's no uh, gay subtext is because they right at the beginning of the movie they've got all of these guys together to do in Samantha's house to do their first demo uh, try out seeing the song and they have this great time and Ron gets angry and leaves because these people are weird uh, the is uh, he doesn't know people with all these quirks and these weird things and it's very very much subtext and he just storms out next scene immediately comes back in to apologize and she accepts the apology and they go on a date and it's just like that's not a story and i the little bit i read right was that this is a heavily and it even says the word heavily fictionalized uh autobiography of the origin of the village people mm. it's like if in your own blurb you're going to write heavily <laughs> fictionalized, make something up. Just make any fucking interesting thing up. Maybe, maybe Ron killed his ex-wife, and that's mm. why you know that's why he's still wearing the ring is because he doesn't want to look like a suspect. Yeah, you know I mean? that was that was just a thing. Like, yeah, he's actually um, divorced or getting ready to be divorced, and I was like, is he lying? Because that would be interesting. Yeah, and that's. Again, it's the, such a crucial rule of film, right? Is she spots the ring. She goes, are you married? He goes, no, my divorce is almost going through. She goes, okay, never mentioned again. Doesn't belong in the fucking movie. That's, that's not a story. That's a diary. That's, somebody, that's a footnote. So the two real guys who started The Village People, I've forgotten their names. Um, one was straight, one was gay. Um, and I think for the film they've just gender swapped. So Samantha is one of the other guys because these two guys, the two roles they took on are the two roles the guys in the movie had or the two people in the movie had. And I was like, this is, this, the whole movie can really, I read the origins, I read the actual origin story of village people after watching this and the whole movie really can be boiled down to this is two guys, two European guys had gone to America um, and they got on the gay clubbing scene uh, and they were like, oh yeah, what a great time. These people just want to like live fun, have, you know, like great parties, enjoy, forget the troubles, blah, blah, blah. We can really tap into this market. Let's target something that will, uh, let's, let's make something that will target the uh, a gay audience, especially in New York in the late seventies. 
One of them sees uh, Felipe Rose, the Native American, right? Dressed that way, dance. He was employed as a club dancer. And then the cowboy guy was there and they were like, hey, that's America, right? I love that. I love when that happens. I love when foreigners like approximate American culture, which is why ABBA, the band ABBA, has this weird obsession with like Tex-Mex Americana, like Alejandro <laughs> and Chikatita. We're like, what? what is your... This like... They're like Swedishness, like cut mm. with like this kind of weird faux Americanness, and like yeah. they just sell it back to America, and they're like, "This is this is awesome. This is yeah, this is weird, but this is awesome." And they think that is this is what Swedes, it's this is what Sweden thinks America is like, but they just think, "Oh, this is just Sweden. This is what they think." Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Again, going back to New York in the seventies and eighties, and maybe I've said this before on the pod. It's hard to keep track of all of the things that we say. There's a lot of words, guys. Um, I am so jealous and I, I read about that time a lot about the music and about the politics and about the sport and about the art and the, the movies and stuff that came out of 80s New York, early 80s New York. And I want, I don't know if you ever think about it, but it's like, wouldn't it be great if once this pandemic is over, London has that kind of renaissance Mm. where um people say oh man you were in in london in the 20s that was fucking crazy so much good yeah. music and but my great fear is uh ahead of time is that i will live my entire life and never be somewhere that <laughs> <laughs> that has a renaissance that has a renaissance do you know what yeah. I mean? like wow imagine you were in manchester in in like the late 80s and like the first time people ever discovered like mdma and ecstasy and <laughs> yeah. you were there the first mm. raves, you were there. Yeah, or like yeah. this big summer of love in 1966 and you in California, everyone's like, smoke this, what is this? Shut up, just smoke it. Let's mm. it. Imagine. Yeah. You were in Miami in the 80s. As oh soon as God. that cocaine had come over and the CIA <laughs> were like, hey, let's freebase this shit. The first guy who ever put the cocaine on a spoon, people were like, what are you doing? He's like, no, 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 hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> and like these and these guys this beautiful love letter to this to the city that we all know and like how many great like and i was watching an interview where like spike lee was in the early 80s he was saying that like yeah he was like going to film school like learning how to direct he might run into scorsese who was working on a movie or you might run into the people from sonic youth or talking heads or the, a band was playing at cbgb and it's like oh shit here these guys mm. are um but yeah anyway should we move on, Sam, to uh, the categories? I'm like, Let's you know what? To... You don't even get you don't even get a song today, my dude. What? You don't even get a song. You fucking pig. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you didn't know where that was gonna end. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you just wandered into the sentence, had no way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you fucking. Uh, anyway, um, guys, we have categories on this podcast where we compare these two films and now the first category that we normally have is the instant cancellation mm. now for me the instant cancellation i think is in the blues brothers because mm. i think a blues band fronted by two white dudes does not get the kind of traction in 2021 than it gets in 1980. i hate to agree but my partner said exactly the same thing that you just said. I'm like, yeah, I can't really. But, you know, at least 
at least all the black musicians who made the music are in the film. Yeah. At least we didn't have a La La Land Moonlight scenario okay. with, <laughs> with the Blues Brothers <laughs> and can't stop the music. <laughs> And the winner is Cunt. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. What's your um, uh, what's your instant cancellation? Uh I my instant cancel is for Can't Stop the Music is the uh owner of the record label is clearly a Harvey Weinstein character. <laughs> right? And it's the fact it's the fact that he we know that going in. We even have Samantha before she goes to meet him say, oh, it's another casting couch situation. Mm. It goes through all of this stuff to the end of the movie where he's signed the band. Samantha has rejected him. There is a journalist and he goes, I'm just so lonely. I'm so lonely. Is there somewhere more private we could talk? And she goes, yeah, okay. And they just wander off into a different movie. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that yeah. has to be it, man. Nuts. What about um, uh, is the cancellation weirdly woke? Weirdly woke moment. My weirdly woke moment comes from the Blues Brothers. Um, it doesn't doesn't have a lot, but there is a, the final scene, um, the, the where Jake and Elle would have been chased by thousands of police and military and everything, and they're just trying to get to the uh, the Cook County office. Um, we have the the guy at dispatch on the radio talking to all of the police in Chicago. I think Illinois, all of the police in Illinois. And it's just one little line that's a joke, but he says, uh, use of unnecessary force in the apprehension of the Blues Brothers has been uh, approved. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unnecessary force is the fun mm. part. Um, uh, for me, it was the fact that there was a... Um, that. The, one of the police officers, it was a black police officer um, apprehending, accosting um, the white blues brothers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit of a, it's like, yeah, you know, this is how we know. And, um, that's how we know that uh, we're making progress is that uh, black officers are allowed to uh, harass uh, white people. Very woke, very happy to see, very happy to see. Um it's, Can we just say this? The, all of these, both of our moments, totally beat out the fact that only the Nazis die. Actually, you know what? So I want to rewind. My weirdly woke moment. Let's go back. Is actually in "Can't Stop the Music." Is the fact that the film acknowledges that the only way this happened was pure nepotism and <laughs> like parent money. I'm like, that's it. I mean, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, what's the last? What's, we have two more. We have two more uh, uh, categories. Genre bender. Ooh, genre bender would be very interesting. I think um, I want to kind of see the Blues Brothers as a... Um, I think I want to stop the movie when the police first harass the, the Blues Brothers and turn it into like a police brutality drama. American history, mm. American history X, um, hmm. Copland, a journey into the corruption in the Chicago Police Department. That's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want to see. Darkness in there, um, and then let's 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 follow it through. Let's 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 have the the harassment 
uh, happen and then let's have the long legal trial the uh, civil action lawsuit mm. <laughs> with the Blues Brothers yeah uh which inter- interrupted uh presided over i think the judge would be someone like i don't like otis redding or like al green is like the judge <laughs> and then mm. um uh al green or otis redding or whoever you know the the music comes on and uh, the jury starts to join in Damn, <laughs> yeah. something like that something like that mm. i i have a double whammy i want to I'm genre bending both of these films into each other. I want to call it, I'd call it Can't Stop Stealing, right? And it's all the musicians from the Blues Brothers suing all of the disco, all of the samples in the music that the village people end up using. It's fictionalized, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, so both of these films take place after both of these films and it's like a long, arduous, depressing court case all these musicians and it's kind of like a a a battle royale type scenario where it's like oh you know only one can win the settlement money and everybody else's career is dead yeah one by one one by one they all fall down um and then the last one i think is when we do um sequel generator so if you could actually give a sequel Uh, blues brothers has a sequel but i think there's probably a different sequel um to that one the sequel for Blues Brothers maybe centers on the um, on the fact that they go to jail, and let's stay in jail. Let's mm-hmm. um, let's stay in jail. Let's make this um, bound by honor, blood in, blood out. The ruthless. <laughs> there's there's this universe where you have a prison. All of the prison are different styles of music. All of the gangs. Mm. So you have a blues gang. You have a disco gang. You have a rock and roll gang, classic rock gang. Mm. And you have to see how these guys um, have to fight it out and find a way to survive within this uh, this ruthless musical-based um, prison gang. Mm. Um, for, I would, okay, I'll sequel generate for Can't Stop the Music. Um, can't Stop the Music, I want to be... I want to do a heart of darkness. I want to do a little cop out where it's uh, the sequel is the making of can't stop the music and the drama that happened behind the set, because I guarantee that a minute of conversation between any of these cast members or what was going on on set is a million times more interesting than the fucking nothing they invented in their own fictionalized autobiography. Can't deny it, man cannot deny it that's what we want to see that's what we want to see um sam is there anything else you want to bring up nothing else from me some really fun guests coming up soon um we're doing some crossover episodes with some other podcasts so like keep stay tuned for that uh should be very 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 fun but until next time bye peace